0: Welcome to Required Listening. I'm your host, Scott Goldman, the executive director of the Grammy Museum. Each week in the Clive Davis Theater, I have the privilege of talking to great music artists and great executives about their careers, about their motivations, their inspirations, what goes into making great music and bringing great music to the public. That's what Required Listening is all about. I want to share these conversations with you. Now, last week, we heard an old-school discussion on the art of making records with Clive Davis and Babyface and Kenny Edmonds. And believe it or not, Clive Davis is very much in the mix in the conversation that I had with P. Diddy and Heather Perry. Now, Diddy visited the Grammy Museum on the evening that we screened the documentary Can't Stop, Won't Stop, A Bad Boy Story. The documentary was produced by Live Nation Films, and we were joined by Heather Perry, who produced the project with Diddy. The film looks at Diddy's career through the lens of a bad boy reunion show that he's putting together. But it's very much a reflection on the combination of street smarts, incredibly hard work, a remarkable work ethic, and mentorship that really got him to where he is today. And to tie it back, one of his most significant mentors and business partners, was Clive Davis. So let's go to the Clive Davis Theater and listen to my conversation with Heather Perry and P. Diddy. First, allow me to introduce the head of Live Nation Productions and the producer of tonight's film, Heather Perry. Hello, Heather. Thank you for being here. We got microphones and all kinds of stuff here. Yeah, right there would be great. And the founder of Bad Boy Records and CEO of Bad Boy Enterprises, Sean Diddy Combs. Come on.
1: Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much.
0: That is a terrific piece of work. A terrific piece of work. Thank you. And you know, I had this whole plan for this discussion, which I am now going to throw out now that I've seen this again, because I want to start at the end. And you made, you made a choice to use Nina Simone at the penultimate moment of this film where you're doing the show, it's great, it's big, it's everything I think that you would want it to be. And yet you chose to use Nina Simone's music. Tell me why.
1: Um, you know, I, I think through the process, she really became my, my theme. Um, what I was kind of selfishly searching for was to, to feel that freedom. You know, I didn't know how long, how many more times I would have the chance to even be on the stage. Was um, I never planned on doing it? You know, um, I, to like make—I didn't plan on doing like Mick Jagger or anything like that. <laughs> 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 so, so I knew it was like you know, it was it was maybe coming to a point where. I, I need to be honest, and um, I, I wanted us all to like feel that feeling of freedom. Yeah. And so because she was such a, a big part of the theme of, of the preparation, you know, the, the director knew I really loved the music and I was always like just playing her voice. And one day he said to me, I have something that's really beautiful. And because and I just kind of described that, you know, I want the performance to be different than a regular like concert doc or anything Mm -hmm. like that and he kind of showed me the cut of it and you know the way it translated to me it was it was everything that you feel on stage it was the best way to kind of kind of I think showcase the feeling and emotion so we we picked the feeling and emotion over the traditional way of just kind of showing the concert because it it gave you the feeling you know and that's something that that our music is about, is giving that feeling. So I always give the first respect to the feeling. So that's why we chose that direction.
0: Yeah, there's a sense of struggle and a sense of triumph that comes at the end. And you you mentioned the the director, um, Daniel Kaufman. He described the film as a fierce, and I love this quote, a fierce pursuit of the American dream. How, how do you guys describe, how do you describe the film? If you had to sum it up in a sentence, how would you describe it?
1: I'm going to let you go first.
2: I was I was going to say, I think the title is so appropriate of Can't Stop, Won't Stop, because Puff literally doesn't stop, doesn't take no for an answer. So I would sum it up as like, it's, it's a beautiful, legendary history of a man that just doesn't quit and just doesn't take no for the answer. And I think that is the American dream.
1: Hmm. I mean, for me, watching it wasn't—it in, was intense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just like my whole life, and and it was—it was, it was kind of trippy, and you know, I, it gave me a sense of pride too. You know, but I, for me, it was—it was just kind of like that's what the movie meant to me personally.
0: Well, well, you've been quoted as saying it was kind of like watching your life flash before yes, your eyes. Yes,
1: definitely, definitely. But as as Daniel Kaufman said a director it really just really shows the embodiment of the dream and the hustle and you get to see that through a a unfiltered lens
0: mm. when when did Heather when did you get involved in the in the process here what was the chronology
2: um well I've known I started working at MTV when I was 21 and that's when I met Puff and so here we are many many well, two decades later. <laughs> but <I haven't> <laughs> many, many. That's bad. You, you didn't have to uh, say that. I don't, don't want to myself, okay. but yeah. Um, um, but, uh, and I started working at Live Nation and I started the Live Nation Productions, and they said, you know, we were going to do this Bad Boy reunion tour. And so I had seen Puff out, uh, and I started just, I go, we got to do this together. And he came in yeah. the office for a meeting about the tour, and he actually called me into the meeting. He's like, should we do this? So we moved. At lightning speed, we decided to do it. And, and we had uh, we had like three weeks to find a director and put it on it and go.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the one thing I will say about this, and, you know, look, there have been plenty of artists who've done all kinds of documentaries about their life and work. And no pun intended here, oftentimes they are puff pieces. I mean, they're, they're meant to, you know, sort of build up the brand or build up the artist in, you know, in some semi-contrived way. There's a lot of stuff in here that is not necessarily positive. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, there's struggle here. Um, and I'm wondering for you, as you, you put this together, was that hard for you? Was that hard for you to deal with the parts of your career and, and the thing, you know, going through this that were not necessarily so easy or great?
1: I think some of my biggest records or hits of success has been when the artist is able to be vulnerable. And um, so I knew if I was going to step out in this type of medium, I didn't, I'm a big documentary fan. And I want to get some emotion out of a documentary. Um, so I don't like those puff pieces of the things that are kind of like self-serving. And I just wanted to tell the truth. Mm. And I think it came out that way because I didn't direct it. You know, <laughs> somebody somebody else directed it and shot it. And yeah. and, and I basically said, I'm just going to I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go with the flow. And so that's what also happens when you work with great people and you trust another artist. Yes. So, you know,
0: the one thing Daniel also talked about um, your work ethic and, and how you you push people to be their best. And, and I'm wondering what the collaborative relationship was between between you and Daniel, how did you push him, or did you push him?
1: Oh yeah. yes, I pushed him. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, yes. Heather is yeah, nodding not like, absolutely. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to to me, it's about telling a story. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be, if, if I'm. I'm gonna show a documentary. I want to make sure that um, he he treated it like a feature film mm. and not like a documentary. And he and he told a story that wasn't so linear because I don't think that way. Yeah. So that's why it's like jumping all over the place. And he kind of gave that that reflection of what he really saw. But I kept we kept on pushing and pushing. Mm. And you know I, I wanted it to be disruptive and you know for it to click on and off and everything like that. And he kind of got it. He kind of got that, you know, the way to really get into my mind, the way it thinks and this way it's all over the place. Yeah.
0: Did he push you?
2: Yes, but in a good way, in the best way. How, how so? I mean, he just he he challenges you to be your best, you know, and sometimes it's rough, but it's always worth it. And mm-hmm. when we were shooting the doc, it's a lot of long hours. And People are really tired, but it's it's all the stuff that's in there is so real and raw. And that's why it's not a puff piece. You know, Mm. as you say, it's it's a real film. And,
0: you know, as you mentioned, you're you've had long experience MTV, the music industry. How did that experience serve you? in terms of starting this production company, and we talked earlier, you guys did a, a, a terrific job with that Eagles of Death Metal record uh, record film um, about their return to the Bataclan. How does your background kind of help you create this environment for these kinds of films?
2: Yeah, well, I started, I started working at MTV when I was 21, and I worked there for 12 years, so I sort of got those great golden years of MTV, and I ran the West Coast office of MTV News, so... Mm. And at that time, like, MTV covered music, like CNN was covering war. So we just, every weekend I was on a plane and interviewing somebody and producing something. Um, you know, I got to know Puff there. Yeah. And I told this story before, but it's really funny that, you know, when we had the Video Music Awards, every year we had a, a pre-show. And there was, like, they, they book it really quick and there wasn't um, another space and Puff was like you have to make another space and they were, they stupidly were like okay well we have two spaces we don't have three spaces and in the middle of the live show here comes Puff on a flatbed truck performing anyways so <laughs> I I knew like that's a guy like I want on my side I want on my team I want to work with him so so you know I think I think I took all of that knowledge of of who he is and, you know, in in starting Live Nation Productions, I wanted to be really careful about the message we were sending because Live Nation, you know, represents lots of artists and does yeah. lots of tours. And I, I very carefully thought out that I don't want these to be puff pieces or EPK mm-hmm. press kits. So the first film, which you mentioned, Eagles of Death Metal, we did, which was about their journey back to Paris after the attacks. And I was friends with Colin Hanks and I knew he was going to do it. And I was like, we have to do this together and we have to send that message when... Life knocks you down, you get back up, and you don't quit, and you keep going. I think that was very important for our first doc. So well done. Yeah, so well thank done. you, thank you. And then this doc was number two, yeah. and I knew yeah. I believe I believe in him. Like I knew that it was going to be real, and that was important to me to set up to the audience, to the industry, to everybody mm-hmm. that this is this is the types yeah. of work we're going to do.
0: There, there's something that you talk about a couple times in the film, and you talk about messages that struck me and really stood out, and and that's the concept of black excellence. And always aspiring to black excellence. Talk a little bit about that, that and why that was important to make sure that you brought it out in the film.
1: Well, um, through the journey, you know, I, w- I was always having to deal with a narrative that somebody else had kind of put out there um, for my life to go. Mm. And you know i wanted to, i wanted to change the narrative just in general of, of how hip-hop is perceived and also we as black men and women how we're how we're perceived based on like what we see through media or the, or, the, or the constant images of negativity that we see. I wanted to change narrative and, and show the new narrative of strength, mm-hmm. of black strength, of black excellence, of, of, of shining a positive light on the positive things that we do, the magic that we have, the brilliance that we have, and do it in an unapologetic mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And so that's how I've lived my life. And I think it was a theme also of Just our style and swagger as bad boy was, you know, is and always will be have that black excellence vibe. Always breaking records, always charting new territory, and um, so it's really like putting a a spotlight on that magic.
0: Mm. There, there, there's a couple of stylistic choices in in the film that, that that I have to ask you about. The past, and and this seems to be reversed to me. The past is in color, and the present is in black and white which normally it would it would be reversed. Why make that choice?
1: It was during a time, like, you know, my whole look um, visually on my Instagram and in, like the little shorts that I do was all in black and white. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the director kind of picked up, up on that. Mm. But it was his just creativity of utilizing how I kind of saw my life, yeah. sometimes in black and white and in color. And, you know, these are all like his brilliant, ideas and translations of how he saw me mm. so it's there because I didn't um, I didn't direct the movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what it would have been It may have been in 4d or something <laughs> I would have probably overdid it you had everybody with the 4d glasses been like really Puff? I have to
0: think it's super cool I mean I, I, yeah, yeah. I, love, no, I love it I, I love, it. love the way that the whole thing looks.
1: I want to say we purposely wanted to shake up the music documentary game. Mm. Because I felt like we as artists, we have deeper stories to tell than okay, we're just getting them, we're just going on tour, or okay, just follow me, I'm making an album. You know, that's kind of boring to me. I yeah. want to get into the to the nitty gritty. I want to get into like I want to see everything. I want to see. I've invested in these artists. You invested in Bad Boy, and so I just wanted just to like tell the truth un- uncut, but do it in a way where our lives are so crazy that like you know you could look at yourself shooting a documentary. And I always told them, I'm not shooting a documentary I'm, I'm a feature film type motherfucker
2: yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> he,
1: he said
0: that a lot did he remind you of that um,
2: he, he reminded us not to be ordinary and that to keep everybody's attention span right. like you know standing and on their toes yeah. so yeah yeah
0: why it's, it's actually interesting that, that you chose this reunion to tell a much larger story was that always the intention, or did you get into it and realize, whoa, wait a minute, there's something much bigger here?
1: Yes, yes. We we definitely just intended to do something around the reunion, but as we spent time with each other, there was so much growth and so many unanswered questions, uh, unhad conversations, that all of that started to happen just naturally. And the way we shot it, um, I told them that they can't really shoot it the way they... You know, shoot a schedule of a regular um, documentary, so that that's when me and Heather would get into it because it was. I was, go I was, I was just going
0: to say. And how much
1: <laughs> did that drive you crazy, Heather?
2: It, it did. It didn't drive me crazy. We definitely had moments, uh, but again, it's it's you know you do it for the good of the film, and yeah. so I, I think it was we were in rehearsals, and you saw all these this family reuniting, and there were these stories to tell, and and Puff had the vision from. When he was, you know, 16, 17, you started filming yourself. So it's like, wait, we're all, and I don't remember my MTV days, I'd always seen with a camera. So it's like, where's all that stuff? And he remembered all these great gems and we would find all these great pieces and people in the bad boy family and, and the the bad boy offices were like, wait, there's this piece of yeah. uh, footage. So um, that was a very like collaborative effort. Yeah. And,
0: and one thing I got to say, wherever you rehearsed that out in Pennsylvania, did, did they land that, that? That's like they landed that rehearsal stage on the moon.
2: By the way, it I seems grew, like I grew up, up, Is that in the
0: middle of nowhere?
2: It, it literally they said there's this big black box in the middle of nowhere. And I was like driving, and I I got there a couple days later than Puff. And literally it was like, no joke, there's like it's in Pennsylvania and there's an Amish horse and buggy going. And then I see it looks like a motorcade. It's like black SUVs. And then I see Puff in like a sweats, shiny sweatsuit on his bike, like riding to work. And I don't I don't think that town <laughs> has ever been the same. <laughs> but uh it,
1: it was a plastic bag. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, the, and the one thing, you know, the one thing about doing this, some of these people had not seen each other, correct me if I'm wrong, for 16 or 17 years. Did you have, a, 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 well, you must have been wondering, oh, my God, how is
1: this going to work out? Yeah, I was definitely like a fly i a long <laughs> night. What's about to go on here? I was like, y'all just need to keep these cameras rolling. This is going to be interesting.
0: (laughs) Were there particular people that you were concerned about without calling anybody out, you know, but...
1: No, I wasn't. I I knew everybody. Everybody was always like you know respectful. So yeah. I knew that if they were coming, they were they were coming to get along and to get right. get together. But I was just I just wanted to see it naturally unfold. You know, mm-hmm. I really just kind of stand back. I let everybody have their own relationships. But um, yeah, I wanted to see how little Kim and um, Faith was going to end up. And um, it was overwhelming because you know to get a chance to do that or uh, to even have something. A film like this, you know, why you're still happy and alive and like young and feeling good is, is a blessing, you know, because usually it may happen when you're not here or something. So mm. to mm. get together with your family and the people you have the dream with and to be able to just like sit there and look at like this is what we were able to do with our lives. And we're still here, you know, together. It was—it's it's truly a blessing and incredible.
0: And and still creating and still evolving, you know, in in a positive way. Um, as you look back, you know, especially in in light in light of the film, are there moments that stand out for you, or whether it's on stage or in the studio? I mean, you know, it's twenty years or more since No Way Out. If you had to think of one thing, what stands out
1: for you? Mm. Just one thing? Yeah, um.
0: <laughs> or you. I mean, you could list ten, I'm sure, or or, or hundred. Um,
1: I would I would say, as it pertains to this, it's it's the look on people's faces because you know people get to look at me, but I also get to look at everybody else, and so it's the joy. That these records bring, and you see on people's faces, it's a different type of vibe. It's, it's, it's like it's all teeth. <laughs> Everybody's like hands in the air, and it's just like to be able to have the power to give people that type of like soulful, good feeling, like cookout. We all in here together, vibe. It's it's special. It's special to see so many people smiling. Mm-hmm. and I, I I just remember you know just every any time I would go out it's just that feeling of just you know coming about the ground and seeing people's faces like you know it's, it's they they're being entertained
0: yeah and, and there's there's one there's an emotional thread that runs through and that's biggie uh and your relationship with him and it strikes me just you know as an observer that in in an emotional sense this was arguably the most important part of the film was your relationship with him important to you to make sure that that got expressed correctly
1: i guess i guess that's so i'm i'm so honest with that that i i guess i never worry about that part because it's that's just the way it is. It's not. Mm. I'm not putting on for the cameras. Or like, let me talk about Biggie right here. Mm. However it happens, that's just the way it is. It's a, um, you know, s- such an important figure in my life and the life of the artist. And I, th- I think he's respected and honored in in the right way. It feels like, you know, like like a brother that was lost, and you just really, you know, really really keeping his spirit alive. Yeah. I mean, his spirit is just alive through us anyway. But it's something that. That kind of fuels us.
0: Mm. And Heather, we you know uh, we we've been talking about kind of the cultural relevance of of, of bad boy and the artists and and the legacy. Um, why is it important for your company to tell these kind of culturally relevant stories? There's all kinds of stories that you could tell. Why these?
2: I mean, I think I listen to the audience, you know, and and I I for me I I came up in my career watching everything bad boy and I, I saw the things and everything was uh, a great story about them so I I don't I look for when I'm trying to do something I look for what's the great mm. storytelling moment of it yeah. so this to me was was that and and by the way when we were like the my favorite moment of the whole process is like we were sitting in the mix Puff and I and the the sound mixer was ahead of us and we we're sitting there alone and he would look at the end of the movie and he'd be so happy and he'd be like can't believe this is my life and you'd look at that one part with you and biggie and you're like i can't believe i'm alive like this is like every time he watched that part he was so moved and Mm -hmm. that for me as a producer is the vindication that i want because it's real and when you get that reaction that's so raw from an artist that that's where i want to live
0: right um you've talked often because you you're not just a label owner you're an entrepreneur you are in media, your lifestyle, you did awfully well with, hydrate. with vodka, <laughs> with this with this stuff as well. Um, and you've talked often about building a team and the importance of having a team around you. Tell us a little bit about how you came to that philosophy, where you learned that.
1: I would say, you know, I was driving myself crazy. Because I was, as at a certain point, I was such a control freak that, um, you know, I I was getting overwhelmed, and 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 I had to, in order for me to go to another level, I had to had to know that I had to trust other people, and it's it's kind of hard, you know, for you to trust people, but when you put good people around you and you and you trust them and you motivate them. I think think you get more out of a situation than whatever fears and insecurities I had about trust. So I just knew I needed to, in order to go to another level, it wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be about we and the team that I had around me. Mm,
0: Yeah. And as you're building a a relatively new company, a couple years old, what did you learn from working with him?
2: Um, So much, but but just... um persistence and that you don't have to agree with someone for stuff to be great. Hmm. And that's when the best that's when the best part of the process comes out that everybody has an opinion that's valuable to bring to the table. So, hmm. you know, Puff taught me when we would show the movie, we would show assistance. We would show we would show anybody that was sit we wanted feedback of what people were feeling because the audience was really important to us. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Last question. When you were a boy, did this dream of the life that you've lived seemed possible yes and when you when when you were young and imagining where you would go what were the kinds of things you were thinking about?
1: I was thinking about everything that that my life has turned out to be hmm. and um I, I would say it's true manifestation you know just to empower that in you. But not saying, like, I knew it all, but, uh, you know, it's it's I knew that this would happen. Hmm. Well, it's it's remarkable. I think we all do, know. Yeah. I think we all do inside. I just think I just embraced that.
0: Yeah. It's a remarkable film. Can't stop, won't stop a bad boy story. I get the feeling the story is continuing, and we look forward to many additional chapters. But many thanks to Heather Perry and Sean Combs for being here.
2: Thank you. Thank you, you very Thank much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you all for your time. Thank you very much.
0: As much as he's known as a force on his own, it's really interesting to hear Diddy describe the importance of putting the right team around him. You know, so many many executives, so many superstars, they're kind of at the top of the pyramid and people look at them in that Mount Rushmore kind of way. But he very much was willing to recognize those around him and how they help him be as successful as he is. And of course, the idea that you can push people to get the absolute best from them and how you go about doing that in a way that doesn't ultimately demean or diminish them. So that's your Required Listening for today. And from Clive Davis to Diddy and looking forward, we've got great young songwriters and a tribute to a legendary artist. We'll be coming to you every week on Required Listening. Let's keep the conversation going on all the social platforms at Grammy Museum. If you're coming to Los Angeles, well, I hope you'll plan a visit to the Grammy Museum. All the information on our exhibits, our activities, our programs is at our website, GrammyMuseum.org. Shout out to the team that makes required listening happen Jason James, Kittrick Kearns, Callie Weissman, Jim Canella, Lynn Sheridan, Miranda Moore, Justin Joseph, Jason Hoke, Chandler Mays, Nick Stump, and everyone at How Stuff Works. Until next time, I'm Scott Goldman.